This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Fraser Nelson. First up, Keir Starmer's given a speech this morning in Belfast talking about giving political cover uh, in the event that Rishi Sunak needs to make changes to the protocol. Uh, Katie, why this speech and why now? Well, I think Labour's spying opportunity. Now, of course, they will say, well, we have always spoken in favour of the Good Friday Agreement, their position uh, when it comes to fixing or or, you know, what they want to say, which is you know, making Brexit work, which is obviously an implicit recognition from Labour. They don't currently think Brexit is working. And the protocol is one of the things they will point to as, as, a, as a big problem. But I think there is a sense there is a political opportunity here because we know that the talks between the two sides have led to some progress. This week, there are positive soundings about an agreement to use the same system. And this is be laying the groundwork for actually um, a new deal to be announced in the coming weeks on the protocol. There is an appetite to do this before the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. And we also know from Rishi Sunak's time as Chancellor that he was always the person on that Northern Ireland Protocol subcommittee who was saying, actually, let's try and avoid a trade war. Let's try and avoid doing anything too uh, abrupt on this, whereas people like Liz Truss on that committee were saying, no, 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 let's go bold. And Keir Starmer in his speech is saying that he is he, the Labour Party will help get any deal through Parliament if Sunak fails to win enough support from Conservative MPs. Now, there is a very real risk to Rishi Sunak that he manages to agree an agreement that he is happy with, but that which the European Research Group and his party and others is not just the ERG. I think it can be a bit almost pantomime depiction that this is the only group who will have issues on the protocol. I mean, across the party, will decide that actually they do not like what's come up with and they see red. And you could also have a big name uh, intervention in the form of Boris Johnson. And there's some talk that actually he, he could speak out and say this protocol deal is not good enough and you know bring more people in that direction. So I think there is an opportunity here for Labour to try and highlight division in the Tory party, paint themselves as a sensible actor. We know that Richard Sunak would be very reluctant to do anything there which relies on Labour votes. It's fatal for any Prime Minister to get any legislation through thanks to the opposition. Even worse for um, Rishi Sunak, who wants to present himself as, as a faithful Brexiteer. Now, what's dumb is funny. Every time you hear a politician saying, I'm acting in the national interest, you know they're acting in <laughs> set, pa- factional party interest. Which is ex- So he's right, right, right enough, it's his job. So what is within the interest of the Labour Party? To drive a wedge through the Conservatives, to betray Sunak as a sellout, to, um, to mean the Brexiteer voters are unlikely to, to go for Sunak, to betray the Tories as divided, and to betray Labour as a sensible party of government, bringing it all back together. I'm not sure if any of this will be needed, though. I mean, the, um, even under Liz Truss, there was word that there was going to be a deal in Northern Ireland. This has been happening for quite some time. If anything, I think the deal was actually delayed by the downfall of trusts, because the EU would quite rightly be wanting to go and probe to see if we can get any more concessions out of uh, out of a new guy. But it was also, I mean, the irony is that this is, the EU has, has had to budge here because it's had to accept that the way it's implemented the protocol by putting all of these um, needless checks on goods coming from Scotland and England to Northern Ireland has just alienated too many unionists. Something like 20% of all checks for the EU's external border take place between Ireland, Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK. 
That is obviously ludicrous. The Czechs are obviously vexatious. But the EU has got itself into a position where not a single elected unionist in Stormont now backs the Northern Ireland agreement, the Northern Ireland Protocol. Now, that goes against the principles of a Good Friday Agreement. Those principles are that things need bipartisan control and support. Now, the, if the EU was, um, was optimising the situation, the protocol should be uncontroversial. As things stand, the protocol looks get set to get voted down in a referendum, as there will be one, so it needs to give some ground. So I think both the, the British side ought to be, um, I think, magnanimous when they do that. There's no, for our interests, for everybody's interests, whether you're in Brussels, London or Dublin or Belfast, it's within everybody's interests for this protocol to have minimal friction and to um, not to have people with balaclavas marching against it, as we have seen in recent weeks. So I think a solution is coming along, and Starmer can be forgiven for um, trying to maximise his party political advantage and insert himself as a player in this drama. But I'm not so sure that those Labour votes will be required. And it's also a bit about bringing the issue of Brexit to bed as well, isn't it, with the recent take-back control bill and working with the government on this, trying to look like he's accepting the Brexit arrangement as well. Uh, yes, I think he Keir Starmer doesn't know quite which way to turn on Brexit. He likes the support of the Remainers, and he's certainly getting that support with the Tory Remainers. You know, um, George Osborne, uh, Claire, Perry O'Neill, Ken Clark as well, and LBC. A lot of the Tory Remainers who always want to see the Brexiteers fail. A little of them thinks, you know, it's um, this Starmer winning would be would be fine. So that's an important faction for Starmer. So he wants to present himself as the vindicated Remainer, but still he doesn't want to alienate those Brexit voters which he lost in the North. So you need to be able to, it's actually not that difficult to take a sort of neutral position, to make eyes at the establishment Tory Remainers while um, using vaguely Brexity language to win back your voters in the North of England. And Katie, um, earlier this week there was a data sharing arrangement agreed between uh, the EU and uh, the UK. James Cleverly held that as a positive step. What do you think the chances are of a sort of deal coming out about this? And the music seems to be moving to some kind of settlement. Do you think perhaps there's a very good chance that ahead of that uh, 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement, we will get some kind of lasting settlement on the protocol? That's what the government want. I mean, we have been here many times before, though, and almost the the way to... um, not get a deal to set a deadline. So so I think the more people talk about this Good Friday um, anniversary, the more you're saying, well, actually, if, if you say you want to get something done by a time, it does mean as you, I think, give more power, you cede more power to the other side if they don't share the same mutual aim as you. There's also, I think, you know, we have a situation where Tory MPs could be, that's a phrase, um, more open to actually finding a way to improve things than... Uh, some of the reporting or you know fiery briefings suggest but you also need to say what are the DUP going to say here and I think that's probably the harder audience and if the DUP don't back it it doesn't mean it can't happen but it does mean one of the things that they want to do which is restore an executive that isn't going to happen um uh, so there are so many different parts that even if they do manage to achieve something and get it through parliament and Westminster um there will still be some fallout from this. I worry that the EU hasn't properly appreciated this point. This is not really about Starmer versus Sunak. The audience the EU needs to win over are the unionists in Northern Ireland. They need to be persuaded that the Northern Ireland Protocol is not a threat to them. Their community is not designed to undermine and to, to, to sever the links between Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK. 
you need democratic consent for this. And to win democratic consent means the consent of people the Tories don't control. And that's the unionist, not just simply the DUP, but the unionist community of Northern Ireland. And I think the EU sometimes has got this view of politics where if you stitch up with political leaders, all else will follow. That is not the way it works. That's ultimately their misjudgment over Brexit. And it might yet be their misjudgment over the Northern Ireland protocol. We'll have to see what the deal involves. Elsewhere in the United Kingdom, Rishi Sunak's currently on tour in Scotland, and he's spoken to Scottish Morning Television today, uh, saying about his concerns about the recent gender reforms that Scotland has put forward. Katie, tell us about this and Wednesday's upcoming deadline as well. Yeah, so Rishi Sunak obviously had his working dinner with Nicola Sturgeon. There's a photo of the two of them looking pretty chummy. As we talked in the podcast yesterday, he's trying to take the, the honey approach, not honey trap, though. But I think there's a question as to put all the effort here to keep things on nice terms and um, be constructive. There's obviously the gender reform bill and the deadline that you mentioned. And speaking this morning on uh, the radio in Scotland, you had Rishi Sunak um, asked about uh, the gender reform bill and saying that, you know, he did have some concerns. He admitted it was a very sensitive area. Lots of robust debates and exchanges on it as the bill was passing in Scotland. And ultimately, what what his big concern and what he'll make his decision based on is the impact of the bill across the United Kingdom and ha- whether it could compromise the 2010 Equality Act. Now, the deadline for this is, is as you say, Wednesday. We could get an announcement before. They're waiting on the final legal advice, I think, before the government decides what they're going to do. But the new, I think what is regarded as the nuclear option would be a Section 35 order. That's something that Alistair Jack talked about um, when the Scottish Parliament first passed the Gender Recognition Bill last month. And he, he's made the case that you could have a situation where um, this would allow Westminster to invoke powers to block the bill from going for royal assent. A Section 35 order has never been used before. So... There are some other things they could do, but I think if, if they do plump for that, um, it's quite hard to see Rishi Sunak being in too many photos next to Nicola Sturgeon smiling. Fraser, should Rishi Sunak deploy the nuclear option? I don't think he should. I think Nicola Sturgeon's problem with the gender recognition is the Scottish people who oppose it by a ratio of two to one. And uh, the whole point of his, um, what are we calling it, Katie, a honey offensive? Yeah, it's not like, yeah. The honey offensive, that's good, yeah. There might be too offensive for him, but yeah, the honey offensive. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, a dem- it's, it's partly a recognition that the SNP needs to have this hostile relationship with the Tory government. Harder to do that if it's Rishi Sunak, who's very difficult even for a nationalist to hate. Boris Johnson could have been designed by a committee of nationalists as a kind of ideal enemy. Uh, and, and Liz Truss was the second best. Sunak is a pretty bad person to have on a nationalist dartboard. So he's using that right enough. He's putting on the knitwear, going over, being all cuddly. And, um, and, it, and, it, and it's working. Um, but by the same token, if you then use Westminster powers to override Scottish legislation over Scotland, then that gives her the perfect grievance. Now, and the big question is whether you unleash Kemi Badenoch in this. Um, now, Kemi Badenoch is not a great fan of um, gender ID reforms that are done in Scotland and is would probably quite relish this fight, but perhaps a little bit too much. Now, 
Of course, this is where Scottish unionists like me tend to fall out with our um, like-minded people down in London. So say, say, say you, for the sake of argument, James, say you and I are of the same mind politically, you might say to me, look, this, this is a terrible thing they're doing in Scotland. We can't let this pass because it will have knock-on implications for England. What happens if an English couple go to Gretna Green, or obviously individual person goes to Gretna Green and comes back with a gender recognition certificate and demands to be um, admitted into a, a, um, a women's hospital still in England, that would cause legal problems. And this is, but that is true. And this is the same basis, for example, that the SNP decided to not let England have Sunday, to expand Sunday trading rules. Sure, it would affect England, but they figured there'd be some tangential knock-on effects over Scotland. So there is the democratic precedent that if you think that legislation affecting one country will tangentially affect the other, then that can be enough to extend a veto. But this is a pretty rare and nuclear option to take, and I think would, first of all, walk into a sort of trap set by Nicola Sturgeon, and also it would take away from the what I would regard as the real tension ought to be between Nicola Sturgeon and the Scottish public, who simply do not agree with her party on this. She had to get it passed before um, Kate Forbes, the her finance secretary, is off on maternity leave right now. Kate Forbes probably would have voted against it because she's not into all of this stuff. So they had to get it through because it's even controversial within the SNP. So you've got a situation where she has on a, um, a sticky wicket here, to use a non-Scottish cricket analogy. But rather than leave her on that sticky wicket, the Tories risk creating a diversion. Well, would that diversion be perhaps a last the dice for Nicola Sturgeon, being First Minister now for coming up to nine years this year. Is this kind of a last attempt to kind of force a, a conflict with London and Edinburgh in order to try and drive up support for independence? Perhaps? I don't think the two are linked, really. I mean, we're hearing rumours all the time now that she's thinking about retirement, that she's worked out the games up, that the pools haven't moved significantly in favour of independence in the way that she had hoped after that referendum um, coming up for nine years ago. But I don't think that these clashes of Westminster is what the SNP lives for. It's why ultimately they backed the creation of a Scottish Parliament, because they saw it as a grievance machine. Mm. And the way, of course, Richie Sunak is going up there today to try to reduce the opportunity for grievance, it would be a bit of a paradox if he goes back to Westminster and agrees to um, let the wolf of Badenoch savaged upon them. Finally, Katie, there's also an issue here for Labour, isn't there? Because Scottish Labour and Asawa voted in favour of this bill. Keir Starmer's made some previously pro-trans rights comments. Would this be a potential issue to be causing difficulty for Keir Starmer down in London? Yeah, I mean, I think it could do. I mean, I think on the government point, unleashing Kemi Badenoch uh, also, I mean, they are still waiting for the final legal advice here. And, and, I, and I do think if you think about Rishi Sunak as a details man, yeah. it will ultimately come down to what does this really mean for the Equality Act legislation? I think that's going to be a big factor in it. And there's a few other options I could do. I think we don't have to be the full, we are just stopping it from here. There, um, potentially an option where you go to the courts and go, and go that way. I mean, this could end with the courts, even if you do the Section 35. So we'll have to see how far they want to go on this. Then uh, in terms of Labour, yes, you have had... Uh, a story recently in the Telegraph saying, you know, Keir Starmer supports this, but it was pointed to something he'd said a year before. And I don't think we've had this, you know, a recent situation where Keir Starmer's been pressed on where he stands on this. Um, and since that time, he's been moving more to try and say, though, I'm, you know, 
I'm standing in the center here. You're not really seeing him get down on one knee these days. Um, instead, I think on things like, you know, gender from on the mum's net chat, where he spoke more favorably of women and, and their biology. Um, he was happy to actually talk about women's biology, which is a bit of a change for him. Um, so, so I think that that balancing act means this would be quite a tricky issue because it's one of those issues that would divide the Labour Party. Yeah, you, you can just see this is laced in attraction for Rishi Sunak. It would unite his party as an obviously mad idea that he'd have the Scottish public, the English public behind it. He'd discomfort the opposition. What's not to like about this? So the fact that he would sort of um, annoy unionists like me, I think, is a relatively small factor. I think ultimately he will say, Kemi, go for them. We shall find out. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots. And before you go, we're having our first debate of the year, two weeks on Wednesday, the 1st of February. It's about the asylum system and the migrant crisis and can the whole system be fixed? Um, tickets are free to Coffee House Shots listeners, so if you'd like to join us in Westminster, um, it's in One Great George Street, just around the corner from the Spectator offices. You can get your tickets on spectator.co.uk forward slash asylum.